Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Photographic Life and the continuation of the conversation between myself and Bill Shapiro. So who is Bill? Well, Bill's a writer, editor and curator of photography based out in New Mexico. And I'm Grant Scott, a photographer, lecturer, writer, filmmaker and podcaster. I think it'd be fair to say that both Bill and I have got extensive uh, experience of the photographic uh, environment over a number of decades. In this episode, and in fact in the next episode as well, because we had so much to say, as we often do. Well, anyway, in this episode, we're going to be dealing with AI, artificial intelligence. Strap yourself in, because this is probably the most rigorous uh, conversation that Bill and I have ever had. Welcome back to the conversation. I am presuming it is you. Well, I'm definitely not intelligent. I may be artificial. You'll have to judge by the end of the episode, Grant. Let's dig in because I think it would be clear to say, right to say that you are not an expert on what we're going to talk about. I am not an expert. And actually, I'm not sure there are any photographers who are. Well, I mean, I I, I think that's right, because with respect to artificial intelligence and photography, I think we are all just have been hit by this wave, you know, uh, uh, seeing some of the images that have been coming out and everybody's just trying to like figure out where their towel and beach chair is. You know, I, somebody, I was talking to somebody recently and they were trying to put me forward as an expert just on the basis that I'd spoken about it. It seems to be as that kind of um, sketchy. Well, if it's if it's that sketchy, then then who better than us to 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 jump in? Yeah, exactly. I've been talking to some people. I know you've been talking to a lot of people. As always, you've been much more diligent. Mine have just been in formal conversations. So what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you, is I'm going to throw the conversation your direction so that you can start off with who you've been speaking to. And let's see whether or not any themes kind of develop. Um, and I'll pick up on anything um, if it kind of connects with the conversations I've been having. Um, that sounds good. I wonder if even before we start that, you know, it was your idea to to have us talk about AI and to, to have us talk about it with respect to photography in this moment. And I wonder if I could just ask you, why you wanted to do that, why you felt it was important, and, and, and why now? I think because it's a talking point. I think it's one of those areas. I've been sort of talking about computational photography for the last few years. And in fact, the, the, my last book I wrote, which came out in 2018, had a couple of chapters about computational photography. I didn't have a clue what I was saying. But I kind of sensed that something was coming down the road. What I found was nobody was interested in the conversation at all. And I can almost kind of guarantee that people would turn off. And I get the feeling that even us now talking about AI will have the same effect on a lot of people. Therefore, I thought it was good to have a conversation on the basis of a lack of knowledge. Um, which is is the place I think a lot of photographers are coming to it with, just so that we could bounce some stuff around. If people have chosen already to not listen to this episode, I think they're blocking off. It's a bit kind of King Canoe. You're blocking off the inevitable. What do you think? 
Well, I think um, that there's so much fear that I have sort of heard from people in the last couple of months since since we've started seeing some of these incredible images since since that image uh you know one ai created image won a big award i think people all of a sudden felt like okay if an ai image can can beat my handmade uh i made image in a in a contest am, am i am i soon going to be out of a job and i think that i think that fear has actually sparked quite a bit of interest um, among the photographers, at least that I've, that I've spoken with. Well, I think that it's, you're right, because it, I'm using another metaphor. Um, it's ostriches in the sand. It's kind of, oh my God, this is going to come along. I'm scared. I know if I sort of close my eyes and put my, close my ears, then maybe it won't happen. Or alternatively, what I'm hearing is this is the end of photography. From my perspective, there is always a balance to be found. But photographers, and I think perhaps because of the world in which we're in at the moment, where everything is moving so fast, it's very, really difficult to keep up with things. It almost becomes a natural response to, to sort of see it as the end of the world. You know, as a as a verified, certified um, neurotic, I do sort of see it as the end of the world. And I do feel like the old man on the porch screaming at the young kids to get off my lawn. Damn you. So, um, I I'd like to be, I'd like to be shoved off that position. And I, I hope you and some of the people we have spoken with, um, can do that because I, I do have this knee jerk fear that feels like an old school fear, but, but, but it is within me and it is real. Well, as an opt, what I describe myself as as a, an optimist with realistic tendencies. So, so let's hope I I can make sure you um, stop screaming at those kids. So, um, the first person that I spoke with is um, Phil Penman, who is uh, just a wonderful street photographer. He's documented New York City streets for a quarter century. His his work covering the pandemic lockdown in New York City. Um, uh, was acquired by the Library of Congress here, and he was recently named one of the 52 most influential street photographers alongside, you know, names like Cartier-Bresson, Salgado, Arbus, and Winogrand. And, and, I, and I wanted to speak with Phil a long time like a guy um, because he does have old school values. So I wanted to start there. So I, I asked everybody I spoke with two questions. What excites you about the use of AI photography and what gives you pause? And so um, when I asked Phil about what excites him, he said this, and I'm quoting now, absolutely nothing. I find it hard to see anything positive about putting everyone I know out of work. Commercial photographers will cease to exist within five years with clients being able to use AI themselves. The retouching business will also cease to exist. We've also gone from capturing history to creating a moment that never happened. We see it in commercials already where the pitch is that you can clean up those imperfections um, on a photo. However, it's those imperfections that make us who we are and what's so magical about life. The real question is, who really created it? It's not you. It's a computer. For those who want real moments and real emotions, well, a computer currently cannot do that because it has no emotions. So even though I asked him what excites him about AI, you know, what I got was the the uh, pause. And, and he goes on, but do, do you want to stop and, and dissect any of that? Well, 
I do. Well, are you good with that? Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, I started off by saying, you know, it's kind of these two extremes of the doom monger and, uh, you know, kind of the evangelist. But I obviously that's a kind of a doom um, premonition. I, I just think it's completely and utterly wrong. We're 13, 14, 15 odd years into Photoshop now. I can remember exactly the same conversations occurring around Photoshop. So to be, you know, talking now about taking out imperfections and so forth, I don't think there's a photographer out there working digitally that doesn't use some form, however gentle it may be. So I really don't see that that kind of doom perception of where photography is is in any way accurate or kind of based on any kind of fact. We could have a conversation around the manipulation of the image that goes all the way back to Eugene Smith, you know, the, the manipulation in the darkroom. So that's a kind of, to me, a pointless discussion. Yeah, but, 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 but we're not talking. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? Let's get into it, Grant. Yeah. Um, and this is where I, I honestly do feel... Um, you know, a bit, a bit underwater and, and, and over my head in the conversation, the difference between correcting imperfections and that, that exist with Photoshop and creating perfect moments that never existed in any way, shape or form is a whole different kettle of fish. The idea that a scene can be created whole cloth about, say, refugees crossing the ocean in Cuba, which is a, a photograph, an AI image I saw recently, um, which is completely fictitious, 100% fictitious. It's not about correcting somebody's eyebrows or anything like that. Um, I think I think it's it's a it's a it's not on a continuum of Photoshop and dodging and burning and making things have more contrast. I think it is. I think it, it is an extension of digital art. And well, no, no, no. But let's let's stop right there. Digital art is one thing. And if we started calling these AI creations digital art, I'd be fine with it. But then maybe we should. I mean, you know. Well, then then I mean, I'm I mean, that's that's one of my you know, big suggestions, but to call it photography and to have it be nothing that was ever captured in any way, shape or sense, you know, from from a single you know lens just seems like a, a real a real break, not a continuum. People use the word video now to describe what I refer to as moving image. Is it video? No, it's not. It's not video. It's a form of digital image making, moving image. And yeah, people are happy to accept the word video, even though it's got nothing to do with videotape or or any of those kind of associations. Yeah, but 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 it is it is a replication. Um, it is a digital replication of the old video process using a video camera. But then we but then we should call it film because video was a, a process in the same way as, as film was. No, but 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 Grant, I, I honestly think you're you're playing with semantics here. Um it's like using the word rewind uh you know to 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 move your Netflix uh movie you know back three minutes to rewatch a scene. Nothing's being rewound. That that's beside the point, I think. I think what's really happening here 
is that this is not photography in any stretch because, you know, we can go back and try to define photography, but no moment is being captured. A moment is being created whole cloth. I agree with you. I think we, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, this is probably the, the most kind of, I think some, some of the listeners said they like the fact that we don't agree with each other. This is probably uh, the, the uh, least that we've agreed with each other. Uh, well, in, I don't agree with that. <laughs> in the process of this, this conversation, which is good. But <laughs> it I, is good. I like it. Yeah. So I think for me, what we're talking about here is, yes, there are the semantics around the use of the word photography. Okay, let's try and park that. Let's look at the fact of what he was saying um, was, this is the end of photography for commissioned photographers and people aren't going to commission photographers anymore. That's just not true. I'm going to give you an example. My wife is the editor of an interiors magazine. She's also the editor of the American version of the Interiors magazine. Every month, the American distributors and publishers ask her to put on the cover a cottage with an open door and a dog going along the path with roses around the uh, around the cottage. Okay, now. I have already said to her, in the future, you are going to be able to create that as an AI image, and you're going to give them exactly what they want because it is so uh, controlled as a brief. And at the minute, she searches stocker agencies to try and find that picture. However, in the rest of the magazine, she's sending people out to photograph houses which actually exist to put in the magazine. Now, she is not going to be able to create that through AI photography because these houses have been created by actual people and have personality and they have input and human kind of uh, endeavor. So one part of that photography may go. And I think that's... Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. What, 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 why don't you think that AI can create uh, interior... Uh, in you know, beautiful interiors because those beautiful interiors are connected to actual people who live in actual houses and have actual stories to tell about where they bought this thing and where they bought that thing. Oh, I see. So, oh, so from the story point of view, well, yeah, I, how, how about this? How about the magazine? Uh, the publisher of the magazine says, I've got a great idea, we can save so much money. By getting rid of those stories about the people showing amazing AI created interiors and just um, writing articles about how to get that look, as opposed to uh, Jim and Jan lived in this house for 20 years. And maybe if there's call it eight, eight features in the magazine, two are still the story of Jim and Jan and Six are now completely AI created, which means the two photographers keep their jobs and their assistants keep their jobs. And that's great. But six don't. OK, so here, here's why I'm going to kind of rejoin to this. And we're going to stick with the idea of an interiors magazine and use that as a kind of template. So. The reality is that brands and companies are constantly producing their own photography of new paints and wallpapers and products and so forth. Now, we know that people like Levi's are already playing with the idea of having AI models. Okay. So, sure, 
some companies, if they work out how they can actually get their latest brands, the latest paints, what have you, into an AI image, may well supply that to magazines as a form of PR image. But the reality is that if we look at the publishing market, if we look at the idea of why anybody publishes anything to get ad revenue, it's always to do with subscriptions and it's to do with followers, with community. And if all that happens is that these people keep sending out what if in effect are catalogs, you lose that. You lose that engagement and connection because people engage yeah. with things around. Yeah. I, I disagree. I disagree. There, there are lots of magazines in the States that are no longer in business. Um, like say, I don't know, Lucky or Domino or some of the uh, other, other ones that I can't remember that are not based on people's stories necessarily. Yeah, there might be some in there, but the catalog aspect of the magazine um, is what people really gravitated to. Well, I think, you know, you're, you're right, of course, but the same situation has occurred in the UK. And, and funnily enough, I mean, I'm just writing this book I've discussed before with you about the history of Oak House and the history of publishing. And what I'm starting to realize as I'm writing the final chapter is actually the magazine is not as important as the brand moving forwards, even if that brand is a heritage brand. But that's a kind of separate discussion from AI. And yet it isn't because it's all connected. We know that. The reality is I believe that AI photography will replace stock photography, but it will not replace photography. Okay. I, I, I happen to disagree. Um, okay. Well, look, your, your guy, your first guy agreed with you. Did he have, um, have you had anybody say anything positive about AI? Yeah, but I'm not going to share it with you. Not after that. No, um, what, you know what, what, what I think I'd like to do is, is move to, um, uh, you know, you mentioned stock photography, yeah. which, um, and, and, and I thought about that. And so I spoke to a guy named Mike Cook, Mike Cook lives in Canada. He worked at, uh, I stock photos, which, which Getty bought, uh, he worked, he worked there for years in a senior position. And then he worked with me building uh, life.com, um, you know, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Then he became the CEO of Stocksy United, which is a photographer-owned stock agency, which is a job he left a few months back. So I asked, I asked Mike from a stock photo perspective, what what excites him about the use of of AI, um, and he and he told me the ability for the customer to get exactly what they want or need for their projects. It's an exponential leap in this regard that will change stock dramatically, and will be exciting to see how it plays out. And then I asked him what gives him pause. And he said, the loss of the moment, that freezing of the real world at a point in time captured for eternity. It used to be when you saw an exceptional photo, even in stock, there was an accompanying wonderment at the fact that the moment actually happened and that the photographer was able to capture it. Though those moments will still happen, they will be inevitably watered down or possibly negated by the fact that any image's quote unquote realness is now suspect. I think this loss of the moment is going to radically change the world, much like the invention of photography did in the first place, and likely not in a good way. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I think the stock agency is dead, let alone stock photography, because if I'm a client and I can do it myself, why do I need to go and get it from a stock agency? Right. 
you know, so I, I get that side of things, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not, I'm still kind of trying to stop you shouting at those kids uh, on your lawn, but let me use another metaphor. Okay. Say for example, we use AI to, to make a photograph of ourselves and we give ourselves a separate haircut. Yeah. We give ourselves a separate hairstyle. We still will go to the barber to get a haircut in the real world and get a haircut. One thing is is real and one thing is not real. Within the idea, and let's 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 forget about the word photography and let's use the word visual, let's use visual image making or just image making. In the world of image making, we can make an image which is digital art, which doesn't exist in the same way in which we could make a drawing or a painting, or we can use uh, a camera or whatever that may be to capture what is actually there. What is to stop us from using both AI and photography? Why does one have to be the death of the other? Why can they not coexist? Uh, Well, um, I want to answer that in two ways. Um, And the answer is first, I do think both can exist, but I think the fact that both exist means there will be um, a tremendous job loss um, for sure. But the bigger problem is the one that that Mike Cook just alluded to, which is the one that, that's really preying on me. The very fact that there are, quote unquote, fake photographs, computer generated photographs of moments that never happened will inevitably lead all of us to question the veracity of photographs that actually happened, that actually took place, that photographers actually made. I was thinking recently about some photographs that were actually made that could be considered AI. And I thought about the great Larry Burroughs photo uh, that's been called Reaching Out that he took during a a very harrowing moment in the Vietnam war. People could look at that and see that it looks like a Renaissance painting, um, see how gorgeous the colors and the shapes and the forms are and say, God, that is really lifelike. Um, That would be so amazing if that actually happened. Meanwhile, Larry Burroughs was killed in action because he was trying to actually capture the moment in person um, and not, from some digital creation and the fact, and now I I need to get on my soapbox for a minute. Can, can, Can I, can I keep going? You keep going. All right. In the United States at this particular point, thanks in no small part to Donald Trump referring to fake news when they were simply facts he didn't like. And to his senior counselor, Kellyanne Conway, who coined the phrase an alternative fact to describe something that was a verifiable lie has in part led to a state in which nobody can believe anything that we see or hear um, certainly on Twitter and other places. If AI photography proliferates, anybody who was not familiar with an image previously taken with an actual camera will have reasonable cause to believe that that beautiful, amazing, decisive moment picture is in fact a crock, is an invention. And that, I think, is a terrible outcome, that sense of doubt that will um, live, with, live within us. 
I cannot disagree with you on a single thing you said. I think one of the most interesting things about, you know, you brought up the Trumpian truth or non-truth is the fact that his social media uh, platform is called Truth Social. And in from a Russian perspective, you know, that government-controlled fake truth, truth platform is, is Pravda, which means truth. The, the discussion about what is true and what is not true and what is democratic and what isn't is hugely important as to where we are in the world today. And the fact that AI photography now comes into that is obviously very worrying. What I'm wondering, though, is whether or not what we're talking about here is only specific areas of photography. For example? Well, you talk about that Larry Burroughs picture. There is, you know, I'm watching stuff coming out of Ukraine at the minute, and it's, well, is this true or isn't this true? Is uh, what the Russians saying true or isn't that true? So there's, there is a really, there's a big concern around that. So I completely get the point you're making there, because it can be really dangerous. Um, I get the point around the stock photographic generic image. I get that. I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying about, you know, the, I was saying, well, if I want to come and take a photograph of you, I need to come and physically do that. And he said, well, surely I could make my own portrait of myself um, as an AI portrait. Well, maybe you can, but there has to be a role for photography going forwards, just as when photography came in, there was still a role for painting and for drawing. The, the, the point I think you're raising, if I'm right or wrong, is the importance of what is true and not true, not necessarily photographic. Um, sure, except y- y- yes. And um, when you go back and you think of some of the photos that have changed the way humanity has reacted to something, and I'm, I'm thinking about the civil rights photos, particularly you know, the dogs being turned on um, black civil rights marchers and how in a way or the photograph of Emmett Till. Let's talk about that. Okay. if we can no longer believe that what happened to Emmett Till happened to Emmett Till, if we think that it may have been a computer concoction, then the civil rights movement may not happen the way it does. And so I do think that just the fact that we know that some photos can be absolutely fake and manufactured kind of worms its way into everything. So we're talking about news photography. Well, let me let me think about that. I mean, I'm certainly talking about news photography um, with no question. Are we talking about landscape photography, too? Um, is there a place that is there a place that doesn't exist? But man, I really want to take a vacation there. I think there probably is, but you know, yeah, I was talking to um, Darius Himes about this uh, last um, week, and we were pretty much on the same page around this. That there will be an initial excitement around the idea of creating fake landscapes and what have you, but the once that's over, 
then there will be a return to the idea of documenting what is actually there. Because it's fine to sit in your room and create a landscape, but that's got nothing to do with the the physical um, desire to travel to that place and record it. Right. That's why I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, as we started off talking about this, we're not experts. We're just kind of chucking this stuff at each other. And it's yes. interesting that we're both coming from very different kind of perspectives on it because I'm constantly changing my opinion uh, around this. Um, but I think that where I am with it is that there is a big concern around photography as truth. That's for me, the biggest issue. I do think that professional photography um, for clients, for brands will continue in some form. I don't think stock photography will continue at all, but stock's been dying for a long time. There are aspects of photography which, which will be affected and aspects of photography that will continue. But what I do think is interesting in what you're saying is whether or not there is a divide between, say, for example, the US and the UK in our gullibility around an image. Well, I mean, I, I think that um, uh, in the US, and I can't speak for the UK, um, there's a tremendous gullibility around everything. And so much of it now is driven by um, our, our extraordinarily partisan politics. If somebody on the right says, this is a real image, I probably won't believe it. I mean, if it's an outlandish, crazy image. And if somebody on the left says that somebody on the, you know, says that this is, this is what happened here after, after this moment, people on the right will say, no, that's, that's, uh, crap. We don't have that, I don't think, to the same extent in the UK. I mean, we have had a lying leader um, and there does seem to be a growth in the idea that you can lie and get away with it. But hopefully we have got checks and balances in place in this country. And I think we are naturally cynical um, as a country anyway. Um, but, 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 but I'm interested to go back, you know, we were starting to look at different kinds of photography. So I think we agree that the news photography is problematic. Um, yeah. I think we're in somewhat disagreement about, uh, say landscape photography. And, you know, when I start to think about landscape photography with respect to climate change, um, and if we can't believe that these scenes of natural beauty actually exist, if we think that they are concocted, concocted by a computer, do I want to work as hard to save them? You know, so. I, that- yeah, but, but surely, Bill, I mean, let's go back on this. You know, we're, we're making an assumption here, aren't we? And that uh, the photography is true. And academics and writers for decades now have been writing again and again and again about what is true and the perception of the, you know, what is edited out and the photographer is the yep. photographer's truth. And then if we look at exactly what you're saying, and I take a photograph and the sky is red because it's something that's happening. And then I take it into Photoshop and I, and I, you know, drop in a, a blue sky instead of a red sky. I've manipulated that image. You know, we're in the world of the manipulated image and now we're in the world of the created image. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see the sort of sense of Armageddon around AI 
Um, well, let, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, d- define Armageddon. I mean, if if 10 percent of photographers lose their jobs and, and the assistants that go with them, that may not be Armageddon. What about 50 no. percent? Um, I am old enough to go <laughs> to go back in time to say that when I first started working with photographers in the 1980s, we didn't, you know, we were less than 50% of what we've got now. There was a lot of work around and everybody was working um, and making good money. And that's where we were with photography because it was really difficult to learn how to be a photographer. You needed an understanding of physics of chemistry. You needed to be very resilient, really tough. It wasn't easy. And today it is much easier. And therefore, I suppose, you know, am I going to say I want 50, 60, 70% of photographers to lose uh, their jobs? Absolutely not. But what I do feel is that photography as a form of visual communication should encourage people interested in photography to work with it in lots of different ways, lots of transferable skills. And it may mean that those people who wanted to be photographers move into AI or they move into other areas of visual communication outside the creation of the specific still image. So if, if I'm, if I maybe am understanding you correctly from my pessimist, pessimist point of view, um, you're seeing this as, as a natural uh, culling, perhaps, and and perhaps to put words in your mouth, if a student was coming up in photography and they weren't a rock star, you might counsel them to hone their skills in AI rather than straight photography. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but more so than that, I mean, you know, I did talk about teaching, but, you know, the course that I, I, I wrote and I run is about teaching photography, not to create photographers, but to create a teach photography as a visual language, which allows people to move into lots of different areas. So if by the second year of the three-year course, they decide they don't want to be a photographer, I don't consider that to be a failure. I consider that to be a success because that gives them enough time so that they can work out what their relationship and engagement with photography is going to be going forward. And for me, AI may be another one of those, as you say, kind of natural evolutions. I mean, we're talking about a medium that is all about technical evolution since it's, you know, very earliest days. So why shouldn't we embrace and work with that evolution? As I don't we- think this is because I don't think this is evolution. That's I mean, that's the point. Like, um, I think these are 100 percent emotion free, reality free images that that appear to look like photography, but aren't photography. So I don't really see it as an evolution. I see it as something else. Okay, so if I was going to be really devil's advocate again, how do you feel about photorealist painting? How do I feel about it? What do you mean, personally or? Well, you know, really, a photorealist painting is a painting of an environment that doesn't exist, that looks like a a photograph, uh, but takes a lot of skill to to achieve. Oh, I'm, I'm all for it. And the fact that it's called a photorealistic painting tells me exactly what it is. It's a painting. 
So when we started off this discussion, what we were t- I was trying to trying to raise here was the, the points around the semantics of what it's called. So if it's called something different, then it's okay. So maybe the only issue at the moment with AI uh, photography is the word photography. Well, yes and no. Um, and, and the reason is because photo- photographs that circulate on social media and wherever are not labeled. Uh, as are paintings that you see in a gallery museum or, or photographs in a gallery museum. So, so, you know, you, you, you don't know what you're looking at and that's the problem. And, you know, um, Adobe is putting forth, and I just read this the other day is, is putting forth their version of a nutritional label, you know, on the quote unquote back of their photographs or, or in the data so that people can understand how this image was made. Um, whether it's a quote unquote true image or an AI image or, or something else. And, you know, that, I think that's a kind of a cool idea. I think it's going to depend a lot about widespread adoption. Well, it makes it, sense because they've just introduced this AI thing um, right. where you can start. I mean, I've just seen it pop up on my Photoshop that you can now incorporate that stuff. But Bill, We've so far, <laughs> we've we've really had a, a, a rigorous discussion. Mm. We've only mentioned one person's negative take on AI and one person's kind of uh, positive. And I know you do all this research and talk to so yes. many people. Is there anything else you feel really strong? Because it's very obvious that this is not going to um, be contained by one episode. This could take the rest of the year. <laughs> I spoke with a photographer who, who's also negative on, on, on this. And, and I spoke with someone who's positive too, or a couple of people, but w- would you like to hear uh, a negative? Yeah, go on. All right. Doug Manway uh, is a documentary photographer and a director. He shot for the New York times magazine and time and life and newsweek and fortune among others. He shot lots of corporate campaigns, Chevrolet, FedEx, Nikon, Coca-Cola, et cetera. And he shot uh, portraits of everyone from from President Clinton to Letty Kravitz to Mother Teresa to Steve Jobs. And I spoke to him because his book, Fearless Genius, The Digital Revolution in Silicon Valley, um, you know, became a huge bestseller. But, you know, in addition to shooting Steve Jobs, he shot a lot of Silicon Valley innovators. And so I thought it would be interesting to speak with Doug about his thoughts about this, you know, incredible Silicon Valley innovation. He says. In my own documentary work, I will continue to work as a human, but for commercial project treatments, when you are expected to show images just like the ones you'd shoot if you got the assignment, which is not possible, by the way, he says, I I see a use case for AI where it could create imagery for discussion and refinement. The same thing we had back in the day when agencies got approvals based on sketches. So... AI will be leveraging uh, digital to solve conflicts that digital actually created. And when I asked him what gave him pause, he went all the way to this is true Armageddon, Graham. Uh, When I asked him what gave him pause, he said, Defense Department funded killing machines that ignore Asimov's rules for robots to protect humans. From this, it is easy to extrapolate to the Terminator scenario where where we all die. AI is just another tool. People hated Photoshop, but if you give someone a hammer, they can build a house or tear it down. On the other hand, after Turing, the early AI efforts diverged between 
Um, a human, uh, Doug Engelbert's humanist idea that computers should be tools to leverage our brains and the Defense Department funded efforts to replace our brains. And there was a choice the human race has to collectively make to build in protections for humans or not. Well, Doug's always a very deep thinker. And um, I'm really pleased you, you reach out to Doug because he's someone who I'm aware I'm aware of and I've, I've been for quite a while, while as well. Um, yeah, that's a pretty bleak, um, I suppose, uh, vision. And it's not the first time and he's not the first person I've heard that from. I mean, it's, you know, if, if we expand this, we've become very used to speaking to bots when, we, you know, the companies, banks and insurance companies and what have you use, you know, you can talk to us online, but of course we're not talking to a human being. Um, and so, you know, I think to a certain extent from, again, from my perspective, trying to remain realist, but optimist, I can see how there are things that he's saying there that could absolutely be right in different areas of our lives. But photography intrinsically as a creative expression of the person, yes, I can see that the creation of the AI image will impact on that. But again, I don't believe it will replace it. Um, yeah, I well, I, I don't know what to say. I think some of it will be replaced. Um, no, I agree with you. Some of it will. But I'm just saying I don't think all of it will. And but, even if it's, but, but I, I'm going I'm going to go back and bang my head against the wall one more time for your for your pleasure. Um, <laughs> the, the, the fact that we won't know, let's say these nutritional labels don't catch on the fact that we won't know what is a photograph and what is created, I believe, undermines the whole practice of looking at pictures. Okay, and the- so, so taking news, let, let's put news to one side. What other areas of photography do you feel will completely disappear and be replaced by AI? Well, I don't I don't I guess what I'm saying is to me, it doesn't matter if they're completely replaced or not, because the fact that this worm is now going to be in our brain is going to make us question everything. And that's the point at which this week's conversation takes a break. It's going to pick up again. Same conversation, same feelings by Bill and I in three weeks time. So look out for the conversation in the first week of every month. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's particular conversation. (laughs) There's a lot of badinage usually, but uh, this week, as you can tell, we both felt very passionately and it'd be really interesting to to hear from you. So do please get in touch with Bill or myself via the United Nations of Photography.com website. You can get hold of us at Photo Life Pod on Instagram or on Twitter. And you can also get hold of Bill also on Instagram. Just leaves me to say, and also I'm going to pass it on to Bill. Make sure you take care. We're all humans after all. Mm-hmm.